0: Welcome, everybody. Today, we're officially kicking off Season 19. I'm Pam Pastor, host of The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. It's lovely to have you tuning in. If this is your first time to the show, know that God honors and blesses those who diligently seek his word and place it into action. Or perhaps you're a longtime listener. If so, welcome back. You know, there's power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is found in the wisdom of God. His word tells us in Romans chapter 9 verse 15, I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Friends, we serve a merciful God. And God assures his people that we only have to humbly ask and he will answer us. But what when we ask... We're acknowledging that He alone is God and that we cannot accomplish in our own strength all that is His domain to do. By placing our willfulness and worry aside, we can focus on obeying Him. We learn in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 specifically, Ask me and I will tell you some remarkable secrets about what is going to happen here. So my hope for you is that you're prepared to power up your life to the next level as Jesus shepherds us, as he is the potter and we are the clay within his hand. And folks, we have a question in our mailbag today. Angie wants clarification from our season 18 episode 6 show that highlighted 5,000 people being fed She's wanting to know if there was another large group gathering or was she confused where multitudes of people were fed. Well, Angie, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to write in with such a thought-provoking question. It shows that you pay attention to the details. And you are indeed correct. There are two separate occasions where Jesus feeds a large gathering of people now the first miracle was called 5,000 people are fed and in the second account it's slightly different it's 4,000 people are fed so quickly let's do a macro view of the first miracle account Right away, we know the number 5,000 only represented the men. When women and children were added, our number became closer to 20,000 people, according to the scholars. This story is chronicled in all four gospel accounts. And our story today is only found in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. Now, it's not because it's any less significant. It's just what they chose to record or chronicle. So the disciples had wanted to send the crowds of people away for food and lodging for the night. Jesus told his disciples, you feed them. Impossible, they protested. They only had one little boy's lunch of five loaves of bread and two fish. How are they going to feed everyone with that? So Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up towards heaven, and asked God's blessing upon the food. Now the crowd ate as much as they wanted, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. This miracle taught us that the kingdom of God begins in the hearts of those who believe in Jesus. Now the people were both physically and spiritually hungry. Recall the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 26, where Matthew says, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And we learn of Jesus' humanity in these accounts. Now, Jesus loves his people, including you and me. And to effectively minister to the people, both areas in need must be met. Physical hunger must be taken care of, coupled with spiritual truths. Now, Jesus asked the disciples, in this case, Philip, how they could feed the people. Jesus already knew no human solution existed. But by posing the question to the disciples, it would give them an opportunity to stretch and strengthen their faith in the powerful and miraculous act that was soon to be upon them. Now, recall at this point, the disciples were still confused, mystified, and unbelieving. They hadn't yet come into agreement that Jesus could and would provide for them. God's power needed to be witnessed through the love of his son. As Philip tallied the probable cost and large expenditure he knew there was no way the disciples petty cash fund could cover this cost importantly Jesus was teaching that financial resources were not the most important component we're not to place limits or restrictions upon God our job is to be fully obedient to his call placing our earnest trust in him Childlike faith teaches us to offer what we have and allow Jesus to add other necessary elements, creating a synergistic effect. God always gives in abundance, allowing for leftovers. Our heart attitudes must be in proper alignment, and then Jesus will step in, showing us how we may serve him. So now, if you'd like to join me and follow along with today's account, we're going to be reading Jesus's miracle of 4,000 are fed out of the gospel of Matthew chapter 15, verses 32 through 38. Jesus feeds 4,000. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the road. The disciples replied, And where would we get enough food out here in the wilderness for all of them to eat? Jesus asked, How many loaves of bread do you have? They replied, seven and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces and gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate until they were full. And when the scraps were picked up, There were seven large baskets of food left over. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home and he got into the boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. Now, We're also going to read this gospel account out of Mark chapter 8 verses 1 through 10 if you'd like to follow along and just see the slight variations in the details. About this time, another great crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home without feeding them, they will faint along the road for some of them have come a long distance. How are we supposed to find enough food for them here in the wilderness? His disciples asked, how many loaves of bread do you have? He asked seven, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves Thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found, too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to pass them out. They ate until they were full, and when the scraps were picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. There were about 4,000 people in the crowd that day, and he sent them home after they'd eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmunza. So right out at the gate, let me say that Jesus looks like we're reviewing the same miracle, right? Wrong. There are a few key differences, even though these look similar. The feeding of 5,000 primarily was crowds predominantly of Jewish people. Today's miracle account of the feeding of the 4,000 people fed occurred to primarily a non-Jewish crowd in the Gentile region of the Ten Towns. Jesus's messages and impact was beginning to have an effect on large numbers of Gentiles. That's why this story is so important and miraculous. Jesus had compassion on the Gentiles. He wanted all to receive his message, not just the chosen Israelites. And at times it may seem or appear that God is just too busy to be concerned with our needs. But really, it's quite the opposite. He's concerned about all of our needs. He's concerned with our daily needs. Remember, he provided manna for over 2 million Israelites Every single day. And Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, so don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why would Jesus get specific about telling people not to worry about food, drink, or clothing? I mean, these are necessities. It's because these things are considered provision in which God will supply for his people. If we worry, we may inadvertently damage our health, disrupt our productivity, negatively affect the way we treat others, or even reduce our trust in God. You see, worry will always immobilize people, while on the other hand, genuine concern moves people to take action. We already reviewed how these two miracle accounts are similar, so why were these same disciples perplexed again when the crowd needed food? If Jesus had performed a similar miracle once, didn't they believe he could do it again? And are we the same way? Do we stand upon the promises of God? Well, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, Paul tells us, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You see, folks, we can always trust God to meet our needs. Whatever earthly need we have, he will fulfill and at some point, we all will face the end of our time upon earth. God will even be our provider, stepping in and giving us the courage to face death. And of course, whatever we need in heaven, he will supply. We must remember there is a difference, though, between our wants and our needs. Most people want to feel good, avoiding any pain or discomfort in life. With this in mind, it's possible We may not get all that we are wanting, but by placing our trust in God, our desires and attitudes naturally shift and change from wanting everything to accepting his provision and power to live for him. So today's miracle account teaches us that we don't need to throw up our arms in despair when challenges come our way. Notice I said when, because if you're breathing oxygen upon our earth, you and me both will face challenges that are just a part of the human experience. When we are children of the Most High God, he helps us decipher real needs and we grow in his wisdom by becoming discerning. You know, we have a God who wants to draw us close to him. He reaches out to us today like he did in the days of his disciples. He pulls us toward him with loving kindness. His motivation stems from a deep and everlasting love. He eagerly wants to do and be the best for his people, but it's up to us to allow him into our hearts. In the book of Acts, Jesus entered in through a locked door, but he's a perfect gentleman and he awaits our invitation to be invited in. God has an indescribable and magnificent love for you and for me. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, the prophet Jeremiah said, Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. Now, the depth of God's love is unmatched. He tells us in Psalm chapter 139, verses 15 and 16, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Other people may not understand us because we all carry unique identifiers within us. We are all created by God. Therefore, we must be special. God places his character into every person he creates. We are truly worthy. God's Holy Spirit is within us and ready to be called into action at any given moment. We need to have as much respect for the mystery of who we are as the mystery of whose we are. Our search needs to be for all things God and not in ways of distraction, only to fulfill our days with activities and ceaseless amusement. When we devote ourselves and invest the time to develop a healthy relationship with God, it will never be in vain. In fact, it is just the opposite. A solid relationship with God is our protection when storms come our way. Our foundation will be firm. We won't sink because we have a friend in Jesus. Our ray of sunshine and hope comes from God's unfailing love for us. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 through 26. Jeremiah tells us the unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercies, we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him and seek him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. God willingly responds with help when we ask Him. But again, He is a perfect gentleman and we must do our part and ask. God constantly has proven to His creation that His steadfast love and mercy are greater than any sin in our life. And He promises us complete and total forgiveness. Don't allow man to ever make you feel as if you are not forgiven. All condemnation comes from the devil. If you sincerely ask and seek forgiveness, our Father in heaven is quick to forgive. So while Jesus' disciples may have had access to the best theology and doctrine around, they still needed the intimate experience of Jesus for true earthly success. Friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son, Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was then placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. And while we can never repay this extravagant and extraordinary gift of kindness back to Jesus, what we can do is show him our gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening our connection daily. Today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I'm challenging you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess to our Father after me. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, come into my heart, taking up permanent resonance. I'm confessing your shed blood washed away my past, present, and future sins upon that cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider growing in a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will help to build up and edify your newfound faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important life decision. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Child Talk podcast airs on Wednesdays. So tune in with your favorite Bible stories you and your children may have grown up with. We have a special edition of that of Child Talk tomorrow, and we'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present-day lives. We delve into many topics, such as forgiveness, the message and ministry of Jesus Christ, parables, miracles, and, you know, really, what does biblical truth look like? So please join me. And I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of exploration of all things Jesus. And if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe so you're gonna get the latest releases as they become available. And some of today's podcast is referenced straight out of my book with the same name, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring, compelling, or perhaps you want to do a theological or doctrinal deep dive, I would welcome you to pick up a copy from my website, PampastorCopywriting.com, or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. But friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of God's word, and it's waiting for you to read it. So until next time, remember, you have been chosen and marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And we receive a blessing from the Apostle John out of Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.